And welcome back inside the home office. I'm Craig D'Amico, and this is NEC Football on the Run. Well, after our little field trip to host the show from the NEC's brand new headquarters last week, we're back here in the home office here this week for our 10th show of the season. That's right. We're now in double digit weeks into this thing. November football is finally here. And by the end of the month, we will know who our 2022 NEC football champion will be. And this past week went a long way in helping to decide that. So let's get right to it. Here are our top headlines from this past week. It's our pick six. We start with the NEC football ESPN three game of the week. It was all red, everything in Fairfield, two different shades of red. That is going head to head with more stakes than an outback. It was the five and two four and zero in conference St. Francis red flash winners of their last five in a row, taking on the two time reigning and defending NEC champion sacred heart pioneers who are coming off their first conference loss of the season the week before against Merrimack, and no doubt we're looking to bounce back. St. Francis got the ball first, and on their very first play, Kushan Holmes gets free for 38 yards. Then Holmes makes a catch on a Cole Doyle pass for a gain of six, and on the third play of the game, second and fourth, a Sacred Heart 34, Doyle fakes the handoff to Holmes, holds on to it, runs through traffic on the right side, 34 yards to the end zone for the touchdown. Extra point was missed. Sacred Heart fans were probably still cleaning up their tailgates in the parking lot, but right out of the shoot, it was 7-0 SFU. On the next series, the Flash stay aggressive. Doyle goes deep, looking for Dawson Snyder, draws a flag for passing interference. Then on the very next play, Doyle airs it out again deep downfield and connects, finding Elijah Surratt 50 yards to the Sacred Heart four. Three plays later, Doyle rolls left, finds Surratt, who does a little juggling act, but still gets his foot down with possession for a touchdown. Surratt, a touchdown for the fifth straight game, and it's now 13-0 red flash. We hope you're enjoying all these highlights of Cole Doyle throwing touchdown passes because we got three more to show you from the second quarter. Doyle to Makai Jackson, a one-yard touchdown. Doyle to Surratt again. That's a good one. Surratt's second of the day, capping off a 99-yard drive. And then there's Doyle to Jackson for a second time after SFU recovered a fumble on the kickoff, a five-yard toss, four touchdown passes for Doyle in the first half. Five overall if you throw in the rushing score for Doyle on the day. St. Francis went up to the locker room 34-7. to in the fourth quarter, Doyle would add one more touchdown to his record. He'd find Surratt for the hat trick. Third touchdown of the game for Surratt. The Red Flash continue their red hot tear. They ended Sacred Heart's 13th game home win streak at Campus Field, and they did it pretty convincingly. 44 to 14, the final. St. Francis tallied 568 total yards of offense. Doyle had a 79% completion percentage and five touchdown passes, three to Surratt, two to Jackson, and he also had that touchdown run on the first series. But Holmes led the ground game, 173 yards rushing. On the other side, Malik Grant, he had a touchdown run and a catch for the Pioneers, but it's St. Francis who improves to 6-2. and 5-0 and in league play, they have won their last six in a row. And our second headline is that with the win, St. Francis becomes the very first team to punch their ticket into the FCS playoffs, clinching the NEC's automatic bid with the victory. 
St. Francis is tied with Merrimack atop the standings. However, Merrimack is ineligible this season for the playoffs as they complete their four-year transition period into D1. So the only team that would be able to catch SFU and tie them in the standings would still be Sacred Heart. But being that the Red Flash now own the head-to-head tiebreaker from this past weekend over the Pioneers, that'll do it. St. Francis previously repped the NEC back in 2016 with a 31-21 loss to Villanova. That was the Cameron Lewis season. Lewis set a St. Francis and NEC single-year record with over 1,400 receiving yards, and he had a 74-yard touchdown in that playoff game against the Wildcats. Moving on to headline three, we talked about it last week. The NEC's other remaining conference unbeaten team, Merrimack, they were involved in a sneaky under-the-radar test against a new-slash-old interstate rival, the Stonehill Skyhawks. It was a Bay State battle rivalry game at WB Mason Stadium in Easton, Massachusetts. Both offenses had trouble finding consistency early on. Then in the second, Stonehill quarterback Asher Karaha from midfield delivers a little pump fake and finds Will Diamantis. Hello offense, hello end zone. 10-0 Stonehill, and all of a sudden we had an upset brewing possibly in the Bay State. Merrimack, they had just six yards of offense in the four, in the first quarter on four three-and-out drives, but they had a very important drive right before the break. After their defense forced a three-and-out with Stonehill deep in their own territory, the offense got great starting field position at their own 40 with 40 seconds to go. Gavin McCusker finds Donovan Wadley for 16 yards, McCusker's longest pass of the day. He only had three completions on the afternoon. Then McCusker runs it for 11. He throws it deep, drawing a passing interference call, and then sets up Liam Davis to get a 35-yard field goal just as time expires. It was only three points, but huge for Merrimack to put that drive together and get on the scoreboard right before intermission because, quite frankly, not much else was brewing for them in those first 30 minutes. In the second half, Merrimack turned to their impressive ground game. Time on Edmonds Jr. with a 28-yard touchdown run up the middle to tie the game, and then with under three to go in the third, Kendall Sims blocks a punt, a special play by the special teams. Trey Jordan gets the scoop and the score to give Merrimack the lead, 17-10, all in all, 17 unanswered points for the Warriors. Now trying to protect a slim one-score lead, the Warrior defense made a couple of huge plays. The first with nearly two minutes left. Skyhawks at the Merrimack 15. Jermaine Corbett has it knocked loose, and it was recovered by the Warriors. A crucial turnover. The Skyhawks then used their timeouts defensively to get the ball back for one last chance. From the Warriors 27, Karaha launches the prayer to the end zone where it's intercepted by Dante Williams and the Warriors. Hold on. Breathe, Warrior fans. You hold on. Barely to remain unbeaten in conference play, 17-10 to 10 over Stonehill. On a day where their passing game wasn't working and they were only 1-14 for 14 on third down, the Warriors still found a way to win. And they remain in a first-place tie with the Red Flash just three weeks away from St. Francis and Merrimack going head-to-head in the final game of the regular season. We now go to an absolute bonkers game in Pittsburgh. 
as the LIU Sharks met the Duquesne Dukes. Now, if we went through all the nuances and the ebbs and flows of this game, it would be an hour-long highlight. So we'll just get to the meat and potatoes of this. LIU was looking for their first win of the season, and freshman Luca Stanzani was making his first career start at quarterback. But the Sharks, they were down 14-0 in the second, in danger of going down 21-zip. But an old familiar name, Victor Nelson Jr., came up with a pick off Joe Mishler, his fifth interception of the season, but his first since back in week two. LIU, they get on the board right before halftime. Stanzani runs it in himself from eight yards out, 14-7 Dukes at the break. But get ready for a Sharknado in the third. Stanzani, a 64-yard touchdown pass, a home run to Devon Wells to tie the game at 14. Caleb Nardi, a 36-yard interception return touchdown, a pick six, puts the Sharks up seven. Then it worked once, so why not dial it up again? Stanzani, 58 yards into the waiting hands of Devon Wells, 28 straight points by the Sharks, and now they're up two scores, 28-14. Later in the third, Pat Bowen, he had himself an afternoon. A lot of guys had themselves an afternoon, but Bowen was one of them. 23 carries for 121 yards and a 44-yard touchdown run. LIU takes a 35-21 lead into the final 15. But here come the Dukes. Joe Mishler caps off a 10-play, 75-yard drive with a 13-yard touchdown to Dwayne Menders. And then with three minutes later, he finds Joey Isabella. A 13-yard touchdown pass to tie the game at 35-all. In the final two minutes, the game still tied. LIU punting, but the Dukes muff the return, and it's recovered by the Sharks. They drive it to the Duquesne six. Couldn't get in the end zone, but they were setting up for a 24-yard go-ahead field goal attempt by Michael Coney, but it's blocked by Aiden Garns, a game-saving block for the Dukes. The Sharks will get the ball back with just 24 seconds left in regulation on second down. Stanzani with a huge completion to Michael Love for 27, and the Sharks were closing in on field goal range once again. After a seven-yard completion to tight end Owen Glasgow, Coney has a shot at the buzzer for a 52-yard game-winning walk-off field goal, but it's no good. Wide to the right, and we go to overtime. After both teams found the end zone in OT1, we now fast forward to OT2. Mishler to Abdul Jenna for an 11-yard touchdown, but in OT2, now you have to go for two. The two-point conversion try failed, so Duquesne only leads 48-42. The next LIU drive, Stanzani answers with a nine-yard touchdown to Glasgow. So now the Sharks, they have to go for two. Stanzani rolls right throws into the shadows and it's caught by a leaping Michael Love. He comes down with it. Ball game. Let the celebration begin. First win for the Sharks and the first win for their first year head coach, Ron Cooper. 50 to 48, the final in double overtime. The two teams combined for 98 points and 1,019 yards of offense. The 50 points for the Sharks marked their most in their Division I history and their most points as a program since they laid a 70-burger on their opponent in October of 2017. The Dukes were one of eight teams that scored 40 or more points this past week in FCS and still lost. It was that wild of a week in FCS. Stanzani threw for 346 yards with four touchdown passes, one touchdown run in his first career start. 
Wells finished with seven catches, 199 yards, and two scores. Eric O'Neill had two and a half sacks, and Nelson ended up with not just one, but two interceptions as he continues to pace the league. For headline five, we go to New Britain, Connecticut. The Central Connecticut State Blue Devils matched up with the Wagner Seahawks. The Blue Devils looking for their first win of the season. The Seahawks looking for their first win streak since the final two games of 2018. The Blue Devils came out and scored touchdowns in four of their first five drives. Nas Smith, five-yard touchdown up the middle to make it 7-0 Central. Then Sean Mitchell. Four-yard touchdown pass to Jad Dolgala to make it 14-0, capping off a 12-play, 75-yard, six-minute drive after a Wagner missed field goal. Nas Smith, 18-yard touchdown run. And finally, guess who? Nas Smith, seven-yard touchdown run. Smith with the hat trick. The senior running back ran 31 times for 174 yards and three scores, all of that career highs. Central Connecticut State. They earn their first win since last year's finale, 24-21, when they beat St. Francis. They earn their first win of the season this year, 34-7 over the Seahawks. So after week nine, the top of the NEC standings remain the same. Merrimack and St. Francis still tied at 5-0 in league play. Both teams have won six in a row, and both teams are still on that collision course for the final regular season game, the matchup in Massachusetts. While St. Francis has clinched the automatic bid to the FCS playoffs, the 2022 NEC championship trophy still hangs in the balance, as well as its future permanent residence. Will it be Loretto or North Andover? That still remains to be decided. Sacred Heart is in sole possession of third place at two and two. And then you have five teams rounding out the standings, all tied for fourth. Time now for our top three stars of the week. At number three, it's LIU wide receiver Devon Wells. The junior wide receiver set a new single game high for NEC wide receivers this year with 199 yards on seven catches. Plus, he had two home run touchdowns, a 64-yarder and a 58-yarder to help the Sharks to their first win of the season in a 50-48 to double overtime thriller over Duquesne. Number two at Central running back, Nas Smith, the Central senior running back, set career highs against Wagner on Saturday with 31 carries for 174 yards and three touchdowns. It marked his third 100-yard rushing game of the season, and with three games left, Smith now takes over the NEC rushing lead 18 yards ahead of Sacred Heart's Malik Grant. That'll be a fun race to watch here for the stretch run of the season. Smith's efforts helped the Blue Devils run for 281 yards as a team and control the clock for a near 21-minute time of possession advantage in Central's 34-7 win. And our top star is St. Francis quarterback Paul Doyle. Now, St. Francis freshman wide receiver Elijah Surratt, he had a day, seven catches, 121 yards, three touchdowns, his fifth straight game with a touchdown. But, I mean, someone had to throw him the ball, right? Doyle threw three to Surratt, two to Makai Jackson, five touchdown passes overall, and Doyle even ran one in himself, 34 yards for good measure. The redshirt sophomore quarterback from California went 22 for 28 with a 79% completion percentage. The five touchdowns ties a single game program record set by Jason Brown in November of 2019. After a big day against the reigning two-time champs, St. Francis quarterback Cole Doyle is our top star of week nine.
And up next here on NEC Football on the Run, we are joined by St. Francis Red Flash quarterback Cole Doyle, who this past weekend threw for five touchdowns and ran for another to help the Red Flash clinch their first FCS bid since 2016. Cole, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, so let's start there with that game this past weekend. What, what does it mean to you to be the quarterback that leads St. Francis back to the FCS playoffs, clinching that automatic bid? I mean, honestly, it's surreal. Um, honestly, like just making it to the D1 level for me was a, a big accomplishment for me. So just to be at this level and uh, win like how we're winning is just a really good feeling overall. Uh, let's talk about like how you're winning because Elijah Surratt had three touchdowns, but Kai Jackson had a couple. How much of a luxury is it for you as the quarterback to have weapons like that on your offense? I mean, the film speaks for itself. I mean, all all of our receivers, um, all of our skill position players are all, you know, they all get open, they all do their thing. So it definitely, as a QB, makes it easier on me to, you know, go through my progressions and, you know, take advantage of those one-on-one -on -one matchups with my guys, so. Now, it, it seemed for me, you know, someone on the outside looking in that you guys made a concerted effort in your game plan to kind of come out aggressive. You had big runs on that first drive in the end zone in three plays, and then on the next drive, you took back-to-back -back shots, trying passing interference, and the other one connected for a 50-yarder, which led to the second touchdown. So was that the game plan to come out that aggressive, or is that just how things materialized? Um, well, I feel like we had a really good feel for what they were going to come out in defensive wise, um, blitz wise. So, um, I feel like we were just reading their defense really well and just calling the right plays that we were practicing all week for their defense for the specific looks. So I think it wasn't really our game plan, I would say, to come out and just throw the ball down the field. I think our game plan was just to execute the plays that we were doing in practice and I mean it just it just clicked just like it did in practice so I think that's why we had such an explosive win absolutely it definitely looked like it clicked and you know earlier in the year you were kind of you know splitting time splitting series at quarterback but recently coach has said that he's, he's playing the hot hand which has been you you know at what point this year do you think that you really kind of settled in and, and, and got comfortable with your role in this offense and, and your role with the team yeah, obviously, um, as a competitor first, you obviously want to be in there the whole entire time and, you know, give your team the best chance to win. And, um, you know, the the coaches felt like it was best to, you know, split time with both of us. And we, you know, we both pushed each other. And overall, it just made our whole entire team better because we both improved throughout the process. And um, just to be leading the team now is just a surreal experience. And I'm really enjoying it. So, you know, they say to, to be the champs, you got to beat the champs. You just beat the champs, but there's still some work to do. You got non-conference game this weekend right. against Georgetown, then the final two conference games against Duquesne and Merrimack before the FCS playoffs get going. So when you look at this path ahead of you to try to claim the conference championship, uh, you know, what, what are some of the things that you're looking out for that you guys have to do to, to finish the way that you want? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, as a team, we're just still hungry, you know, like we're we're that one team that never gets satisfied. We're that one team that's, you know, get, get to give it our all basically every time that we're out there. So, you know, we, we really take it one game at a time and just try and execute our game plan with each opponent. And we know if we do that, you know, we'll come out on top. So it's really just about staying hungry and just um, never getting satisfied. 
you know, in, in the, at the beginning of the year in, in September, you guys played a lot of tough non-conference games and one can make a case that really prepared you for, for this run you're having in conference play. So having this non-conference game against Georgetown right before the stretch run, do you think that could maybe give you a similar boost here going towards the end? Yeah, it's always nice to have, a, you know, a non-conference opponent. You know, there's obviously less um, pressure, I guess, you know, like as opposed to like a conference opponent, you know, it doesn't really account towards your thing. But, you know, we're a team that doesn't really look at that things. You know, we don't we don't look at, you know, conference, non-conference, FBS, FCS, you know, like you're, you're whatever team you put in front of us, you know, we're going to give it our best shot. And, you know, as we prove in this season, you know, it's enough to win games. All right. And we're going to get you out of here with our final five questions. These are quick hitters to so just give us the first thing that comes to mind. All right. All right. All right. Here we go. What's your favorite song on your warm up playlist? Uh, that's a good one. Um, I like I like Money Man. So I'll be listening to this song called Money Man Perry. I listen to that a lot before games. OK. What is your go to pregame meal, either the night before or the morning of the game? Um, I usually, I got like these meal plan things. So like, I like garlic chicken, Alfredo pasta. I basically eat that every time before the meals or I'll get like McDonald's or something. I like, <laughs> I like McDonald's. So. All right. Sounds good. Now, how, how does cold oil get from California to Loretto, Pennsylvania? And what's the biggest difference from your hometown to where you're at right now? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a big uh, shift. You know, I'm from Glendale, California, like Los Angeles area. It's a definitely a way bigger city than Loretto. But, um, you know, I, I'm i not a person that really looks into the area. You know, I wanted to come here, play football and win games, you know. And, that, and you know, as long as I'm doing that, I could care less where I am, you know. And it's, it, you know, I it's proven to be, you know, I like my time in Loretto. I like being here, so. And, and I'm sure they like you right now, the way that the Red Flash are playing. We, we have a trivia question for you for question four. Which quarterback leads the NEC in completion percentage and is also tied for the league lead in touchdown passes? Cold oil. That is it. Now, now yeah. bo bonus points if you know who you're tied with in touchdown passes. Um, I don't know. It's either the Merrimack kid or the Stonehill kid. So uh, yeah, it's, or, it's, or, it's actually uh, Joe Mishler from Duquesne. We'll oh. see coming up soon. Right. So he he also has 12. They're all good QB. So <laughs> absolutely. A lot of great quarterback play in the league this year. And finally, we're moving on from Halloween, Thanksgiving coming up. What are you most thankful for? I'm just thankful for my family, just having the support that I have and just, you know, people around me that always just tell me to chase my dreams and accomplish my goals. Well, Cole, congratulations on, on getting that automatic bid to the FCS playoffs. We look forward to following your journey here the rest of the season and that run and the, the trying to get that NEC championship. Thanks for joining us here on the show this week. That's right. Thank you. Appreciate that's, it. That's Cole Doyle, quarterback of the Red Flash here on NEC Football on the Run. Time to take a closer look at our 2022 AQ, the St. Francis Red Flash, in this week's Stat Chat. The Red Flash are winners of their last six in a row, and at 6-2 and two overall, the Flash have the best record to this point of the season in their Division I program history. And at 5-0 and oh in league play, they've matched their start from their championship season of 2016. How have they done it? Well, on the offensive side of the ball, the Red Flash are 10th in the country in red zone offense. They've cashed in for points on 29 of their 32 trips into the red zone 
with 16 of the 29 scores being touchdowns. They have Cole Doyle at the controls with a top 25 completion percentage. They have weapons at all the skill positions. And with all that in mind, it's kind of easy to overlook the fact that they also have a top 25 nationally ranked defense. That's right. Their defense currently sits at number 23 in the nation. That's just five spots behind Sacred Heart nationally. They're second in total defense to the Pioneers in the NEC ranks. And by the way, St. Francis, they don't just allow a small amount of yards. They also lead the NEC with 14 takeaways. Strong on offense, strong on defense, strong in the standings. The St. Francis Red Flash, the subjects of this week's Stat Chat. Looking ahead to November football and week 10, let's take a peek at what's coming up on tap. We start at high noon Saturday at Rooney Field in Pittsburgh with Duquesne hosting Sacred Heart. Now, these were the two top teams in the preseason poll, but they're both currently looking up in the standings to both St. Francis and Merrimack. The Pioneers have dropped their last two in a row and the Dukes four of their last five. Now the red flash, the NEC's automatic qualifier, they will be in non-conference action, traveling to our nation's capital to take on Georgetown. The Red Flash won their last meeting, but that was back in 2015. The Red Flash will look to extend their overall win streak to seven games as they get ready for a stretch run of conference play coming up. Games remaining against Duquesne and Merrimack. The Wagner Seahawks, they will look to rebound from this past week's setback. They will travel to Massachusetts to match up with the Stonehill Skyhawks. Stonehill has lost their last three in a row since their 3-0 start, but they won both prior meetings against Wagner for back in 2008 and 2009. So it's the Seahawks and the Skyhawks coming up this weekend. And finally, we feature our ESPN3 Game of the Week. Two teams coming off their first win of the season. One of them is assured to get another one, earning a win streak and, believe it or not, a top four spot in the league standings. It's the LIU Sharks and the Central Connecticut State Blue Devils. Last year, LIU went up to New Britain and came away with their program's first D1 road win, 30-13. to Central was held to just 59 rush yards for the entire game. I have a feeling things might be a little bit different in that category this time around, considering last week, Nas Smith went nuts, career highs in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns, and now he's matched up against an LIU rush D that's seventh in the league, allowing 220 rushing yards per game. For LIU, last week, their offense scored 50 points and had their program's first ever four-touchdown quarter at the FCS level. They outlasted Duquesne in double overtime, helping the Sharks win their first game in 364 days. Both teams have playmakers on both sides of the ball, and on defense, both teams have a candidate in the running for Defensive Player of the Year. Central's Chizzy Umanakwe continues to put out tackles like Taylor Swift puts out bonus tracks, averaging over 10 tackles per game. Well, on the other side, LIU's Victor Nelson Jr. leads the league in both interceptions and passes defended. He had two picks last week against the Dukes. So it's LIU and CCSU 1 p.m. kick from Brookville, New York on ESPN3. And that'll just about do it for this week's episode. Once again, congratulations to the St. Francis Red Flash for securing the NEC's AQ bid to the FCS playoffs. However, as Cole Doyle told us, the journey's not complete. We still will have to settle the Cole Conference Championship dispute 
whether it's St. Francis, whether it's Merrimack, that'll play out over the next couple of weeks. St. Francis in non-conference action coming up this weekend. Merrimack on a bye. And of course, those two are scheduled for their head-to-head showdown, possibly for all the marbles on November 19th. Well, enjoy the games coming up this weekend. And until next week, I'm Craig D'Amico, and this has been NEC Football on the Run.